it. We're getting close to 200, folks. This is episode 196 of No Laugh Track Podcast. This is Justin Severson, the host. Thank you, Circle of Heat, for letting us play your music there at the beginning. Uh, we got lots of catching up to do. Pete Lee is here, and it's been, I wrote it down, and actually I listened back to some of it. Uh, last time we were here, episode 140, March of last year. 140, all yeah. right. I feel, I, I don't I, I don't like being episode 196. I would think you should just bank this one and then save it, and this should be a special 200th episode. And we, well, the, uh, the truth is, we've had plenty of uh, we've spent some time having discussions off the air about how to make uh, something special uh, for a 200th. So yeah, yeah, maybe we should have done that. Maybe we should have done that. I feel like I, I mean, I started here. I'm from here. What are you going to have some some clown who's not even a, a born and raised Minneapolis comic be on your 200th episode. We who, are, who are you guys thinking about? Who do you have? Who's in your? I, I, it's it, it's still up in the air. Or is it literally just like whoever's here? I'm looking back, we, and Eric is saying, "Shh." Oh, oh, you can't. I can't say who it is. Yeah, we got we got we got big plans. Okay, mystery box will oh, be open. Jerry Seinfeld. Hey, I heard I, that it's going to be Jerry Seinfeld. Wow, Pete can read lips. Yeah. Wow. All right. Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it's going to be Robin Williams from the grave. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Don Rickles is bringing him. Yeah, we're gonna have, it's going to be two guests. Uh huh. Rickles would be the most amazing person. How honest do you think Rickles would be? You know, the best podcasts are when people are honest, and it's not just you know people rifling off jokes. Yeah. So you think how good would he actually be on a podcast? I think Rickles would be so honest, but he would be so honest to the point that he'd be like. Why are we fucking doing this thing? You know, like, why do people sit around in rooms and record their conversations with their friends? Yeah. Like, like he would he would just, like, not understand the whole idea of a podcast. He'd be like, back in my day, you would have a conversation with your friend where people weren't listening. Yeah, you know, like, why aren't we drinking right now? Yeah, exactly. The, I think Rickles would just call bullshit on the whole thing. But, I, I mean, I, personally, like, I like the comedians sit down with each other and we have these conversations and because when i'm in the car and i'm out on the road and i'm lonely and i i like to tune into a podcast to hear my friends talk to each other yeah. it makes me feel like it makes me feel like i have friends when i don't <laughs> usually <laughs> that's not true i have a lot of friends i but like you know like a lot of times like the other night uh, I did. I performed at Western Illinois University, and then I'm, I got off stage at like twelve thirty at night, and then I did a drive from twelve thirty at night until like almost four in the morning to get to O'Hare to drop my rental car off to get on a plane. Well, at twelve thirty at night, there's n- not many friends that I can call that they want to like have a conversation with me, or so, the or that drunk one that's up. That, yeah, the, or you don't even want to talk to no, him, no. right? Because he's just he's either like. Talking about how he wants to go bang some girl, or he's like, "Why won't Sherry call me back?" You know, and you don't want to hear that either. Sherry, <laughs> I just made up the name Sherry. But yeah, so you listen to podcasts, and then you get to like hang out. You get to spend some time with your friends. Damn when right, you don't even know it. Yeah, and seriously, Sherry, give him a chance. Sherry, I know that he did that thing that you didn't like with that other lady, but like he's just. He's a, he was a dirtbag when you met him, you know, and you knew it. Exactly. Yeah. Sherry. Oh, Sherry. Oh, Sherry. Oh, Sherry. Uh, Pete, we have so much to get to. There's, um, I don't know where to start. You know where I'm going to start? 
Did you see as a, you just well, actually you claimed I'm from here, but we all know you're actually from Wisconsin. Even though you started comedy here, I started comedy here. I lived here for ten years. I just I feel like Minnesota is like like Minnesota is like prison, you know, because the weather is so cold that like even if you went to prison for like a year, like you get to be like, yeah, I I. I was in prison. <laughs> wear it with a badge of honor. Yeah, you yeah. get to wear it with the badge of honor. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I put in my time. I did my time in Minnesota. But, but you are like by blood as a Minnesotan. Me speaking, you are still not one of us officially. I am a Wisconsinite. And the reason I'm going to put you there is because of some a video I watched this morning. Uh huh. Did you see at a Milwaukee Brewers game over the weekend a guy? gets uh, $100 to do his end of a dare, and the dare is he drink he licks vomit off the bleachers. And, oh, yes. Jesus. Yes. For $100? Yes. And now I'm pull- while you while you, uh, while you take that in, I'm going to pull up the picture on my iPad here and show you to it. Show I it mean, to isn't that, wouldn't this be one of the biggest symptoms of a family? Can failing? you see that? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, do you want me to grab it from you? Well, if you could or, see from that, it's just, oh, we got to get rid of that. That's the guy bent over, licking it, and there he is holding up the $100. Oh, my God, dude. And that is a Brewers fan right there. You guys out defend there him. listening, defend him. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to comment instead of defending him. Just kids, get an education. You know, get an education so you can get a good job so that you don't need $100 <laughs> for licking vomit. But don't you feel like, I mean, because $100 is still $100, but I... I can you, name many things that you can buy for $100. Yeah. Yeah. But you could not pay me, I don't know, my threshold for that would probably be like $50,000. Um, but that guy wasn't doing it for the money. He was doing it because he knew that if he just put his tongue on something gross that might make him sick a day or two from then, um, uh, you know, or maybe he'd throw up there or whatever. But he knew that an entire section of the stadium was going to cheer him on. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hero. And, hero status. Hero, him. yeah. And, like, everybody wants the limelight. Everybody wants the spotlight. That's why... That's why people are willing to go on a reality show where they try to find love and they, you know, are like, um, you know, yeah, there's that there's that show Cheaters on TV where like like they catch people cheating and the people that are cheating have a look on their face like, wait, am I on TV right now? (laughs) Like my whole life just got destroyed and I have to move furniture because I got caught cheating. But like, give me that waiver, I'll sign it. Yeah, but like, they still have that glint in their eye and that like little bit of a smile. Like, hey, are you catching my good side? <laughs> so like, I think that that guy, that guy totally was doing it for the attention and not even the hundred dollars. But the hundred, without the hundred dollars, everybody would have just gone, oh, so you want some attention, you idiot? But a hundred dollars makes it so that he can go, no, I did it for the hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Not because my dad didn't pay attention to me as a kid. <laughs> And I need this attention right now in the Brewers Stadium. Oh, oh. I never checked to see if the Brewers lost that game, but I assume they did. And he had completely they're, lost interest. They're terrible. They're my friend Burke Badenhop. He's a major league ball player, and um, he went from what's his name? Burke Badenhop. He uh, he's a pitcher. He's a relief pitcher, and he's played for the Marlins and then the Rays and then the Brewers and then the Red Sox, and now he's on Cincinnati. Oh wow! And uh, uh, you know, he's a real good, he's a real strong middle reliever, 
but he went from the Rays, who had nobody that came to their games, yeah, and they won every game. I mean, they made, they made the playoffs that year um, that he was on them, and then he got traded to the Brewers, and then he was like, I don't understand it. He's like, everyone comes to our every single game is full, and people are partying and they're tailgating outside. He goes, and we don't win anything. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he's like, they're there to get drunk and watch the roof open and close mm-hmm. and they don't even give a crap about the game they're i mean they're cheering us on and whatever but um yeah wisconsin is like its own weird animal when it comes to sports and live performances and supporting things and um i just i drove uh drove past i i drove past on the light rail uh uh the new stadium that's being built for the vikings yeah and holy crap does that place look cool mammoth Mammoth. Like, yeah. I I was actually on the train rolling past it thinking, like, such a beautiful building. Like, it's too bad that the Vikings are going to play there. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, because, like, come on. Like, I I empathize with, with Vikings fans. That, like, they've even gotten so close some years, and then they're, they're still terrible. They're using that stadium for good. There's also going to be some uh, major concerts. Metallica is going to play there, man. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'd actually like to go to a Metallica concert there. The first two shows are uh, concerts are going to be Luke Bryan, okay, on a Friday, and then the next night Metallica. Which one would you go to? I'd go to Metallica. Yeah, are you a country fan at all? I am. I I do like country, but like Luke Bryan is my favorite. Uh, I actually performed at a county fair uh, last summer, and Luke Bryan was there the next night. Oh, okay. Um, but like. Uh, yeah, I remember going like, yeah, he's, you know, he's he's no Garth Brooks, <laughs> you know. But people nowadays like they pretend like he is. Yeah, my uh, my wife is a huge country fan, and she dragged me. I mean, I was so happy to go see Garth Brooks with her when he was here a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. I felt I felt like. When we left that concert, I felt bad that I used a seat that someone that would have appreciated it so much more. That I took that up. Like, I didn't want to be here. I didn't enjoy that. Yeah. Someone that actually loves, like, worships this guy should have been in the seat. Yeah, that's I, that, But that's a very kind thought that you had. <laughs> like, like, somebody, yeah. That's that's really funny. Yeah, I went I went to see Garth Brooks at the Target Center. Uh, went back when I lived in Minnesota, yeah. and it was um, when he sold out an un, un, unprecedented eight nights in a row. Right. right. And uh, I remember like everybody was congratulating him on like, oh, he's doing eight nights in a row. Meanwhile, I had been on the road doing, <laughs> you know, doing eight nights of shows in a row forever, and right. nobody congratulated me. Nobody wrote articles about the massages I was getting from. <laughs> Standing up on stage and the uh, the jet you're going in from town to town or the uh, tr- the luxurious trailer you're staying in yeah no. yeah and meanwhile he was tour that was during the tour he was touring with Trisha Yearwood having an affair uh, with like with Trisha Yearwood behind his wife's back and like oh he, is that what happened yeah like you could see you could see it on stage that like they were just in love with each other. And then Garth would do press conferences and be like, family man, love my wife. <laughs> and, you know, it was the dumbest thing. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. But, so I, I felt You're like, slinging mud at Garth Brooks right now. I am, but I'm also, I gave him props for being better than Luke Bryan. <laughs> but. We'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, so I was listening back to the last time you were here, episode yeah. 140. Oh. And... Uh, 
you had that episode was historic, Pete. Because you, I mean, we you told about the visit to China. You told oh, yeah. about the near death experience you had. Yeah. With uh, I wrote it down here, Johnny Fock. Johnny Fock. Can we still F-O-K. say his name? Are we safe? Yeah, I went back there this last time, and I did not go to Macau. Okay. Um, but there's problems in Macau now because they've gotten the gangs out. Uh, they've gotten all the mobsters out, and um, it turns out if if the town. Because uh, the Chinese government took over Macau even more, um, just like they took over Hong Kong even more. But it turns out that if you, if the Chinese government comes out in, and they're the only people in the world that are scarier than the mob, so the mob is scared of China. Uh-huh. And that tells you something. Yeah. And Donald Trump says that he's going to tell China to fuck off. No, I'm sorry, <laughs> you're not, because you're not tougher than China. You're okay? not that gangster, buddy. Uh, but um, so they drove the mob out. Well, it turns out that a casino town without the mob is not fun, and it's it does it just doesn't have the same feeling to it. And wow. so people aren't going to Macau, and so the casino business is down, and the Chinese government has all these regulations on it. And so we didn't even do a show in Macau this time, okay? Because it just wasn't it wouldn't have been a thing because there aren't people in the casinos. Now at that time you were saying you were going to go by yourself. Did you go by yourself? I did. You yeah. Did. And I was, I was really scared to go by myself because you know, last time we went with that big group and, yeah. um, I, you know, it, if I'm being really honest, like I was having, I was having a lot of a hard time, like getting over my divorce and all that kind of stuff. And that trip, because it was 10 days uh, this time, or I actually laid over for a couple extra days. Uh, it was like 12 days. Um, I almost felt like that was like a bridge. And this is going to sound real sissy, but like that's what I am. So I'll just, but it was, it was definitely an emotional bridge. Like it took flying all the way over to Asia and going to all those different countries by myself and making friends and meeting new people and, uh, you know, uh, you know, just going on that adventure where I was so far away from my life and my day-to-day routine mm-hmm. in America that I felt like that was one of the first things that made me finally disconnect from all of those feelings. And then when I came back, I felt like I had a fresh start. Really? And yeah, it was, it was so fun, you know, like, uh, I mean, I still was connected to the United States. Like I would call up my girlfriend and we would FaceTime and, yeah. uh, you know, so like I still connected with her and stuff, but just I think I was still processing a lot of anger from the divorce. You know, like there was a lot of messed up stuff that happened, and like you know, she got a lot of money that she shouldn't have gotten, and um, you know, like I I still felt angry about that. You yeah. know, and um, but once that once I went on that trip, I remember coming home going, none of that matters anymore. Like. She doesn't matter. Like, like, you know, like I just felt like I could start fresh. So, did you have stuff booked uh, when you got back? Yeah, it was different than the last time because uh, China happened, or like Asia happened this time as like the end of a little mini tour that I put together, and um, and so when I got back, I got to just like really be home in New York, and uh, I've been. I've been staying home in New York a lot more, just auditioning, and I'm in acting school. And during pilot season, I got really close to getting a few pilots. And, uh, you know, those are, like, life-changing things that I'm going towards. Yeah. And, 
Um, but yeah, so the last time I had to get back and go right on the road and this time I got to actually stay in New York and chill out and deal with the jet lag. And, um, I didn't go back to New York right away though. I went down to Texas. My girlfriend had a film that, um, she produced and starred in at the Austin film festival and they ended up winning the, the audience award. So like they, they won the, the award for the thing. So I went down there for like, I think almost seven days. So I mean, imagine going from Asia, where it's so foreign, uh-huh. and and just you know you're in you're in Asia and everything's weird, and then you go to Texas, the most American, <laughs> bang 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 bang, yeah, the most American, <laughs> closed-minded, racist place, you know, where red, white, and blue, motherfucker, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that so when I came back to America, I really felt. Like I was in America. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Never forget the Alamo, Pete. Never forget ne- spit. <laughs> you uh, you mentioned girlfriend. Yeah, she's coming tomorrow. She's going to be here. Uh, uh, her name's Emily Tarver. You can Google her. Um, she's an actress and uh, comedian, entertainer. Uh, I was friends with her for a long time. We were on the show Best Week Ever together. Okay. Um, and we met and we became writing partners. We wrote a sitcom uh, in conjunction with Paramount. And then, uh, you know, we were still just friends, friends. And then, yeah, things dissolved with my wife. And then, yeah, I I guess I never really thought that her and I would be compatible or I didn't know that, like, there was something there. And, you know, but once I was single and we fell in love and, it's been really great, you know, like, like she's, it's, it's weird to date someone who's funny. <laughs> That's, I've never dated anyone who's funny before. Interesting. And, um, I mean, but it's weird because I'll have a bad day and then, you know, like I'll, I'll go over to her apartment and like, I just laugh my ass off, you know, like, like, like she'll, she'll, I'll tell her about my bad day and she'll be like, picking out things like a comedian would that are actually funny or absurd or like, you know, Oh, you're complaining about that. Okay. Like you have no reason to complain and here's why. And here's the funny take on it. And like, uh, it's, it's just fun to have somebody in my life that makes me laugh that hard. Holy crap, man. Like she's one of the funniest people in America. You know I mean? Like, like there, there are people who watch her on TV and in commercials that like, you know, she make they tune into her and she makes them laugh and and I get I just get that at home. That's kind of cool. And vice versa. I'm I'm very funny and I make her what, laugh. What's this and, now? Yeah. What? what? <laughs> wait, wait a second. <laughs> huh? But I would say that out of the two of us, um, you know, because she studied improv and sketch for so long. Um, I mean, easily, hands down, she's way funnier than me. You know, like I've written a stand-up routine, and I continue to write new hours of it and stuff that are funny and really great. But like as a person, she's way funnier than me. Uh, is she helping you with the acting? She's she's helping me with the acting a ton. Um, it, it's almost like during pilot season, she was almost like a twenty-four hour on-call acting coach. Yeah. That uh, you know, I would get a self-tape that I'd have to make, or you know, at nine o'clock at night, I'd find out I have an audition the next day, and she would help me prepare for it and. Um, it was so comforting to know that I had an expert there. Um, she she plays. Um, she was in the movie Sisters with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, 
and uh, um, she played Brayla in that. And then she she's on the show Orange is the New Black on the upcoming season. And then she plays Pam on the show Donnie on the USA Network. She's the lead female character. I um, d- just do looking stuff up, uh, doing my research, knew when I was going to talk to research. you. I uh, I found that the show Donnie. It yeah. looks really fun. Is it? It looks really funny. It's very funny, and um, right now they're waiting to see if they're going to get a second season. Oh, okay. Um, you know they're in that waiting game. Yeah. And that game has as much to do with their show, or it has as much to do with like all the pilots that they're making right now. If the network ends up hating all those pilots, then Donnie will get renewed. You know, and okay. Yeah. Uh, so like they already know that they like Donnie, but they're waiting to see if they like something better. And I might be talking out a turn. I, you know, that might, you know, I, I don't know. But screw it. I don't work for them. <laughs> I'll say it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, she's – and then, you know, she got really close. She had a few times um, this pilot season where she was literally zipping up her suitcase ready to fly out to L.A. because they were – you know, they were going to cast her in a new show. So um, – and then those – you know – it's so crazy how they'll have three people up for the role. They're telling everybody to pack their bags, and then she gets the call that she didn't go. Wow. You know? But um, in the interim, she's been doing stand-up again because she, she did stand-up for a long time. Back when we did uh, Best Week Ever, we would do these Best Week Ever live shows, and she would go out and do stand-up. And I remember thinking, like, wow, she's one of the funniest like stand-ups that I've seen where my act is all about my point of view is, like, it sucks to be nice. And like, you know, how hard is this? Like Emily is, is a very kind person who is full of rage, you know, and, and full of this, like almost Bill Burr honesty, you know, that comes out of this beautiful female. Uh She's from Texas. She's got tattoos, uh, in a way we're kind of fire and ice, you know, or yin and yang. Uh, and that's why we're a good couple. But, um, we've actually started recently. She got back into stand up. And uh, in New York, we've been doing stand-up shows together where, like, we do, like, a dual act. Where... I watched one of them. Yeah. Oh, you did? Oh, on wow. On YouTube last night. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did, it was really it good. good. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah, it's, yeah. I never thought that I'd do stand-up with anybody else. I never thought that I'd be dating somebody that I would do stand-up with. But, like, and I don't know that we're, like, a stand-up team. Uh, but there, there are a couple other shows around New York that have booked us to do shows as a team. Yeah, okay. And um, it works because we're such opposites, and then we get to kind of talk about each other uh, and how it's weird to be with an opposite. Um, it, it it makes a funny act, you know. The thing that the uh, the set that I watched, you said the word tattoo. Yeah. Oh, she's got tattoos. <laughs> yeah, she's got. She's. Um, you know she's a, she's an actress, so she can't have like visible tattoos. But like her back is like all tattoos. Wow! And um, that's I think the first time in my life that I've ever been with somebody who's had serious tattoos. And she wants more. And um, I never thought that I like. I mean, I look at her when she's getting ready in the morning, and I'm like, oh, those tattoos are sexy. Yeah. Like who knew that like sweet little Pete Lee was would be excited <laughs> by tattoos. I'm like, oh, this is so dangerous. <laughs> but uh, I feel like I'm in a biker gang. <laughs> but, like, I ride on the back of the motorcycle. <laughs> I'm the only one with a helmet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, 
But yeah, but she's also doing stand up. Um, she there, it's happened a couple times where the person doesn't show up for their set, and she's just hanging out at the stand, and then she goes down and does stand up, and uh, she's killing. You know, um, I you know like she's coming out this weekend. Maybe she'll you know like maybe we'll be able to talk her into it, or you know, Lewis or Derek would let her go up. But like, she's funny, man. Like it's and. Right now in New York, the booker of the stand has been, you know, encouraging her to get up more and more because he's getting flack that he doesn't have enough women stand-ups oh. on his stage. And there are a couple of really funny uh, girls working in New York. Adrian uh, Apolucci is amazing. Suba Gerwal, like uh, Molly Austin, you know, uh, obviously like Rachel Feinstein and Amy, you know, like they're amazing. But if you really look at the sheer numbers of who a booker has available and then there's you know 10 clubs in new york that that the female comics are bouncing around doing that like if you look at the ones that are really really strong um it's hard for the booker of you know the bookers of these clubs to get the girls to come on their shows so like you do get a lot of lineups that are a lot of guy comics okay and um and so he's the booker of the stand has really been encouraging emily like come on like please come do stand up here. You know, like, like I'm getting flack cause I don't have enough women comics on my show, but I also don't know how to get women comics on my show and be one of them. That's a weird <laughs> problem to have. Yeah. Well, he's, he's taking a lot of shit. Like he's a misog- he's a misogynist, but it's, it's like a, it's a supply and demand issue. And, you know, there, are, I'm sure that there are people listening that go there, Pete, there are plenty of really funny, female comics that could fill those spots and there are there are a lot of funny female comics who i know that are buzzing around doing the alt scene um but the alt scene and the club scene are totally different i mean the the people that come to watch you in the clubs are like i feel comfortable if you're uncomfortable kind of people Mm -hmm. they're not a warm audience they're not a good audience and it's almost like you need like, you know, the solution is getting the all the girls in the alt clubs up in the regular room so they get they get used to the timing with those crowds. But it is a different crowd that is not good, <laughs> and and it takes somebody who is seasoned with that crowd. You know, so yeah, maybe the answer is putting up the putting up the comics that are not used to that so they get used to it. But um, but there's a finite amount of people that that their material is is ready and good enough to perform in those rooms. I gotcha. Because those crowds will eat you the fuck alive. <laughs> and, you know, like, and so, but Emily is one of, Emily is, is someone who's worked those rooms. She has experience in them. And so I, it feels good that the booker's trying to get her up on the shows. I no, well, now I got to come back here. So if, can, can you give me a hint on which night you might get her up on stage here? I want to come back and see. Oh that. gosh. I don't know. Um, well, she gets in on Thursday, so may I, I think my stepbrother's doing a guest set on Thursday night. Um, he does stand up. He's a VP at Three Hem. What? And he like just had it on his bucket list like five years ago to do stand up. And he he's one of the reasons why I'm funny. Like I grew up with him, and okay, he's so yeah. funny and charismatic. And I probably learned a lot of my timing from him. Um, but about five years ago, he decided to go up on the Acme Open Mic for his bucket list. He just he still liked it. He goes around to all these like shitty open mics around town and does spots and nobody probably knows that he's 
important at, at you know when he goes to 3m yeah yeah and, Jeez. and he's been continuing it and then um each each week uh that i'm here he comes down and does one guest set oh, or okay. something like that so this week he's gonna do thursday and then saturday uh and um you know he's gonna bring his wife and he always kills because he's so funny his name his name is john walters and um or walter sorry uh not with an s uh and he's he's great so that's awesome yeah this is fun that's really cool are you still doing colleges or is that a big part of your what you're doing now um i'm staying home so much that i'm not doing as many colleges i you know i did one last or two weekends ago uh i still you know my act is it's funny lewis and i were talking at the bar about how um the pc police came after nick DiPaolo and they came after ralphie may and yeah um and you know a, a lot of comics that i know that are edgy comics are going even edgier but with with my persona um you know with with my persona like i i'm not an edgy guy and i like that doesn't suit my comedy and so my comedy in this pc police boom has almost thrived uh-huh. because people want somebody that's not going to piss everybody off and so i've done well in that um and uh and yeah i've gotten hired for a lot of corporates and whatnot but yeah, uh, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that the colleges do book me and do want me, but I've been trying to stay home in New York so that I can focus on acting. Because my biggest fear is, you know, I'm 38 years old, and that's not old, but, um, you know, my biggest fear would be that, like, moving I... Moving back to Janesville. Yeah, moving back to Janesville. No, I guess, like, I know that I could always write stand-up material and do the road, but... I wouldn't, I don't want to be one of those guys that's, you know, 65 years old that is still a, you know, $1,500 a week headliner at the Funny Bone. Yeah. Um, because I don't know. I want to really throw my hat in the ring and I want to really uh, try my hardest to, um, I want to really try my hardest to like make a real go at real entertainment. To where if I got on a sitcom, which I got close to two of them this you know this year, if I got on a sitcom and it was successful, then people would come and buy tickets yeah. to a theater or you know like really buy. I, I guess I sell a good amount of tickets at Acme and a few of the markets where I have been in for a long time. But um, you're still looking for that big thing that's going to really break you. Yeah, and and above and beyond that, like. I don't like being out on the road all the time, you know, like, like I like this week because I feel like I'm with friends and family and I feel like I'm at home, but the road is a really shitty, lonely place. And, you know, I had been touring for, you know, 13, 14 years in a row and it's not fulfilling, you know, after a while you've kind of done everything and, and you're waiting for the next challenge and acting scared the shit out of me because my extent in my acting was, you know, I'd been on a few shows and done a little bit of acting, but then every year I'd have like, like two or three auditions where imagine that like you never played basketball and then you had to go try out for the NBA. You know, that was pretty much what my acting was. Uh I would audition for a major movie or major, major television show and I would suck. And then I'd go, well, I suck at acting. I hate acting. And so I enrolled in an acting school and now I'm really working on it. And I'm starting to feel it, and it's starting to feel really good. And um, yeah, and I, you know, it's it's like the thing that really excites me lately. Um, I mean, stand up. When you're looking up, when you're looking, when you get like a uh, an audition, what 
what type of roles are you trying for? Um, a lot of them. Handsome leading man, the uh, nerdy best friend, the dad, the teenager. <laughs> Where kind of all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, 90210 reboot. Yeah. The, I, um, it's funny. I got pretty far on the, the rebooting the one day at a time, that show one day at a time. It was like a 80s, 70s really? sitcom. Yeah, they're, they're doing a reboot of that. They're, Hollywood is out of ideas. Um, One day to that was with uh, 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 what was it? What, uh, Mackenzie Phil- Phillips? I think was so. On One day at a time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I auditioned for the role of Schneider. Yeah. Um, yeah. Schneider. Yeah, and they they wanted um they wanted somebody that was that was likable and quirky, uh, a little bit flirty. But like the kind of guy that would never go through with it, you know, like flirty, but not like a, not like a Pepe Le Pew kind of rapey sort of a character, <laughs> you know. Um, uh-huh. So um, uh, they they were like, well, you kind of fit that. Your persona fits that in a different way than Schneider was originally, and uh, they heavily looked at me for that. And uh, but yeah, the you know the roles where I have to play a little bit more of like a quirky oddball. I find that I'm more naturally suited to that. Uh-huh. Uh, when I have to play like like there was there was one where I had to play like this guy who was like a handyman and a real man, and uh, those roles I struggle with more uh, because there's sort of this ABC sitcom sort of a way that men who are men who are actors act, and I don't necessarily act like that because they're totally fronting. And I, whenever I see them acting like a man, I'm like, oh, I call bullshit on mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, even when I'm, one of my strengths in acting is I have I have a lot of vulnerability that I carry with me, at, in every moment. And so, um, uh, I was afraid that that was going to be a problem when I had to play more like leading strong man kind of things. But um, a casting director recently told me they're like, no, that's good. Because even though you're, you know, you're being strong and the words you're saying are strong, we get to see a little bit of that vulnerability and that draws you in. Yeah. So um, something that I initially thought that I had to get rid of, it's actually uh, a strength. You have said on this podcast before, you've talked about how often you <laughs> cry. Yeah. And oh, yeah. So now I'm, all that's going through my head right now is, do you, are you going in there immediately going, look, listen, guys, you need... Dra- drama i'm your guy i could cry i just uh in a on this. heartbeat i can cry <laughs> yeah. oh my god i had an audition recently where i had to cry and <laughs> i cried the shit out of some crying in that audition <laughs> and the casting director was like wow you can really act and i was like well it was right there anyway <laughs> i mean it was it's it, always right there it was right there on the surface i i haven't cried much lately that's good um the I mean, probably when I say I haven't cried much, like, you know, I mean, like, like I haven't cried in a few days, but, uh, so I'm getting ready for another one. I haven't cried on stage though. That's the thing. Like I, that's the weird thing about stand up. And I probably like, I would probably be revolutionary in the stand up world if I, if my closer was me crying my eyes out in some <laughs> sort of a funny way. I've never seen that. All right. Yeah. That. That's going to be my Larry, the cable guy, no sleeves trademark. That's gonna be my get her done. Is just gonna be tears. You're uh, and you could sell tissues outside with your name on them, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Handkerchiefs. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's really funny. The Pete Lee Hanky. I like that. Yeah. yeah. 
hankies. There you go. People I've, like I would get like a teardrop tattoo. That didn't mean that I killed a man. It just meant that I'm sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> and not no, not a, but uh, do they have three dimensional tattoos? Because that's really what you would need. So I, it looks like it's a glistening drop. An actual, yeah. yeah. I'm sure that I could get like a real small branding tattoo that puffed up a little bit, and then they could tattoo over it. We could figure it out. <laughs> or they could just be like, I could just like bedazzle a fake tear, and that those are what I could I could sell. Bedazzled oh my God. fake tears. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> We've got it. We. It took a little bit of. Dancing around to it, we'll, we'll it take that long. We've yeah, we settled on it. it. We've brainstormed. Good, and those will be out there by Saturday. You're promising, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go to a, a local indie arts and crafts store that has conflict-free bedazzling <laughs> stuff. I don't know what the terminology would be. Uh, I saw a picture of you uh, with Nick Lachey the other day. Oh online. yeah. Yeah, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Well, well, what? Do you, what? <laughs> no, that's one of his songs, the ninety-eight degrees song. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, no, I. I wish I got that. <laughs> no, my my friend Michelle Buteau, she had our, a morning show on VH1, where she co-hosted it with Nick Nick Lachey. Oh, okay. And so, like, we would one morning she she actually had Emily. Uh, Emily and I on as like panel guests with Sherrod Small, so she had like a best week ever reunion because mm-hmm. Michelle was on best week ever too. And uh, I was just so excited that I got to meet Nick Lachey because I was like I was totally into all the boy bands and stuff like that. Like I just I like singing. I'm shaking I, my like head all this right sensitive stuff, but I totally would go see Metallica instead of Luke Bryan. Okay, okay. <laughs> I love Metallica by the way, uh, but I just also like I like singing i like that and nick lachey can sing the shit out of some singing Mm -hmm. and um but so i was so excited to meet him and uh michelle brought him over and he started talking to me and i had like this weird teenage little girl moment where i was like of course that's what my internal monologue was saying um Outwardly, I was like, "Oh, cool, man! Yeah, yeah well, awesome. I know, I know, I, yeah, man, same way, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, yeah. You know, like who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl this year? Who, <laughs> who are you rooting for, bro? And bro, but once that calmed down, like I fi- like I stood and I talked with Nick Lachey forever, and then I got a picture with him. And um, I used to watch that show he had with Jessica Simpson. He seemed. He came across on that show really cool. He's a total dude. Yeah, he's you know he's a cool guy and. Uh, you know, he just has the voice of an angel, and he bangs hotter chicks than <laughs> than you and I. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he um, is he better looking in person? I don't know because people said I had people comment on that picture. They're like, "Wow, you're better looking than Nick Lachey," and I, you know, and they were also like, "Oh, you're you're taller than him," which I'm a little bit taller than him. But I also was just like standing six inches in front you know like like it was kind of one of those pictures where perspective wise i looked like a giant compared to him <laughs> but it's because in the photo he was just a few inches behind sure. me so he looks tiny uh-huh. but he's not a tiny person um but uh but yeah so on national siblings day i was i found a picture of me and my brothers and i was like oh i could post this or it'd be funny if I posted a picture of me and Nick Lachey and I said, happy National Siblings Day to my fraternal twin brother, Nick Lachey. <laughs> and then I had people, I had people like DMing me being like, is, is, are you really Nick Lachey's twin brother? Oh my God. And I'm like, 
Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. No, I'm a comedian. Obviously, haven't you heard me sing? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I... it's just like very documented that his brother Drew Lachey is his best friend. And like, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he was in the band, right? He was in the band. Yeah. yeah. And like, but I just think that it's so funny that people think that that like somehow I'm the missing Lachey just because I posted that thing. Pete Lachey. Yeah. What's what's Peyton and um Eli's uh oh, oh. brother that Yeah, I don't know, Roger or something. Roger Manning. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But I know what you're talking about. Um, the one that doesn't play football. The one that was better than both of them and then he got injured yeah. and now they like play for him. They play their hearts out for him. <laughs> Connor Manning or Oh, that might be right. Connor? Connor sounds Something right. like that. Yeah. Whatever it is. Something but. like that. Yeah. Hey, so uh, I need to go back a little bit here. I, I know you can't say anything, but do you know then? Like, you must know inner details about the next season of Orange is the New Black. I do. Did you visit the set and all that? No. Um. Uh. I mean, when I say that, I I know loosely what what goes on in Emily's scenes but she didn't even get the whole script like she would get her sides like it's that secretive oh wow and um have you watched have you seen the shows and everything yeah yeah yeah. I mean but I wasn't I didn't get to go to set or anything like that uh one time she like facetimed with me uh like on set but she you know like uh like we she just was like on break and we were talking and um but yeah you know she's told me stories about all the people and um you know, like it, one of the things that she's talked about, and I actually did a radio show with her where she said it, so I think I can say it, um, is that it's almost a, a really interesting social experiment, that show, because um, it's the cast, uh, you know, if you've watched the show, there's, you know, there's like the Latino group, and then there's the black group, and then there's the white power people, and then there's the guards, um, and most of the guards are white, and so she you know she said that it's a really weird thing because when you when you break for lunch then like all the latinos hang out together all the blacks hang out together they don't talk to the guards and what? they're all actors and really but it's it's like a social experiment like do you remember you remember like um i, I don't know if you guys ever did it like i remember we were learning about slavery in elementary school and we were all like, what would that be like? Because we were all just white and stupid. And The then, teacher put you in blackface, right? Well, he put us in blackface. and like, But for, for a whole school day, they were like, you guys are slaves. This half of the room is slaves. And then you guys are the masters. And the, the, the masters got to treat the slaves, you know, like slaves. We didn't do that in St. Paul. Plus, we had plenty of minorities. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> they would have got very uncomfortable. That would have been very terrible. But, yeah, with our all-white school... Um, <laughs> We did that, and then the next day it switched. But you found yourself, when you were playing the role of the slave, you found yourself getting really mad at the masters and vice versa. Well, I think that on that show, because they are kind of separated into groups in the prison on the show, then when it comes to taking the lunch break and after-hours stuff, you do sort of hang out with the people that are in your little group. Weird. And um, But, yeah, she, you know, she, Emily is a guard on the show. And so she, um, you know, she definitely found that she didn't feel like she really gelled with the other people 
Um, she gravitated towards the supremacist, white supremacist. Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> yeah, she was like all about it. No, no, she just. You she, said she has tattoos. What are they? Um, yeah, yeah, they're all swastikas. Um, just real, you know, swastikas. Uh, um, no, she doesn't. Don't uh, think she's like one of the most open-minded, sweet, great people. She's calling me right now. Oh, oh, um, oh! Look at that picture. She's calling me right now. Yeah. Um, no, she is. She is. My phone's vibrant. That's Emily Tarver. That's Hollywood's Emily Tarver on Hollywood's the phone right there. Hollywood's Emily Tarver. Saved in my show. My phone is uh, Emily Tarver. Heart shape glasses. Heart shape. Um, I've shared her contact with people that are like, like my buddies are like, hey, I want to have Emily on my podcast, or like, hey, I want to have Emily come shoot this thing that is on my TV show. So I'll share the contact, and they're like, I'm keeping the heart shapes. <laughs> Just so you know, um, I wonder what she's she's been texting me and calling me Uh oh oh (laughs) are you still doing that dumb podcast why don't you answer your phone i wrote to her i said uh i said i'm doing a podcast uh um i said everyone at acme can't wait to meet you and she wrote did you tell them that i'm a bitch (laughs) she likes to joke around about that she's not a bitch and it's interesting she's uh playing she's uh I've never seen her in person on television and on my computer. It looks like a petite woman. So playing a, a security guard. Yeah. I mean, well, she's like five, eight oh. and she's, you know, she's like five, eight and she's, you know, she's got some height and, uh, she's, I mean, she's an actress. So she's, she's petite, but she's not like actress petite, you know? And sure. I like that, you know, she's got some curves and some hips and some boobs and, you know, and like, she's, I don't, I don't want to date a girl that's like, like skinny, you know, uh-huh. like, like she's, you know, I mean, but Emily's an actress, so she always has to be watching what she eats anyway, and that causes some problems. Yeah, yeah, because she gets crabby, and then I feed her snacks, and then she gets happy again. But like, yeah, I don't know. Who cooks? Does either one of you, either one of you cook? We both cook, but that's been a big change. Uh, I used to eat out all the time. I mean, I was like, because in New York, you can just, you know, you have a seamless app on your phone and you order, you just, you're in your underwear and you order food to your door. Yeah. um, But one of, and I was like, why can't I ever lose weight? And then now Emily and I cook most meals and like we eat, we overeat like crazy food that we actually cook. And it's just amazing how many fewer calories are in stuff that wasn't made by a diner cook that's spraying that ketchup bottle of butter all over the yeah you know the food my kids recently gave me crap they said um dad uh, uh all of your food comes out of a can or a box ha ha so I've been trying to cook more what was it like an organic box no no was the box made out of recycled corrugated cardboard that's what I fed them, yes, everything including the box. So I've been trying to do a better job of eating healthier in front of the kids and everything, for sure. I, um, what? Let's talk about what TV stuff you have going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have a couple of things now. That's been cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, um, the first thing is I do a show for Nickelodeon. Um, so the NFL is, it's like, the NFL is like a drug. Like, you got to get kids hooked early. And um, especially with all the concussion stuff that's going on now, they're worried that they're going to lose their base. Uh, and so, should you be saying this? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> but like, it's the truth. 
uh, why not just tell people the truth and then they can still like it? Yeah. But, um, and I'm a huge NFL fan and I work for them. And um, But, yeah, the NFL is um, – they do a segment on a Nickelodeon show because, you know, that's a really good way to catch kids early. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, there's this uh, – show on nicktoons uh called nfl rush and then i do a little blooper segment where i dress up like an nfl commentator i go to the nfl live studios i put on a shiny suit and a tie that's got a giant knot and uh yeah um uh, all right sorry she was texting me um she was like hey i left you a funny voicemail Ooh, oh. i wonder what the fun i would play it but it's probably just you know all Nazi propaganda, <laughs> just like her tattoos. <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll play one of the old ones that you've reviewed. Then, oh gosh, I don't know if I <laughs> even have one. But um, but anyway, well, oh yeah, so I go and I I go to the NFL studios and I and I basically I use the telestrator and the teleprompter and like uh, and I I draw on the screen and and I go through blooper reels and um and it's so much fun to get to play a fake NFL commentator. And I just do the I tape a bunch of segments and I then so I get to do that. That's something that airs. Is that your is it year round? Um, it's like kind of seasonal, you know, because okay. they do like seasons of the show, and so I get to do that. And then um, the people that there are a few people that worked on the show best week ever that when we all got let go, they went over to True TV, and now they do a show called Best Ever. So they took the word week out, and then they created a new show, and uh, this show. It it's not like best week ever where it recaps the where it recaps all the things the best things that happened that week. Yeah, this is they go by a topic. So um, the one that we're doing, I'm writing. I've got a after this go right the end of this episode. Um, it's called best sports ever. Um, the last week's one was best animals ever. Uh, the one before that was best infomercials ever. And so, um, yeah, so we, we just make fun of a category of stuff and, um, and the producers are really good. They, they find us a lot of really good content to make fun of. And then we pop over it and we interact with the content and we say jokes and nice. it's a clip show. Yeah. And so I get to work on that, which was really cool. Um, it, it my favorite thing about this show is that I do so many on-camera auditions that you're going in and you're on camera and you're auditioning, and that's the worst. And so it's nice that within a week uh, I can go do a bunch of auditions, but then I also get to go do something where I already have the job. Yeah. And then I get to be on camera, and it's fun. Yeah. So, I don't know. Holy crap, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And um, and then I get to do Conan soon. I got, I got to tape... Um, uh, or I, I got a set of proof for Conan. I, I used to have this manager that was trying to get me on Conan forever. He would send them tapes, and the guy would kind of be like, eh, I'm kind of whatever on this guy. Then I got new management out of New York. I'm with CH Management now, and uh, they're so awesome. They The booker for Conan was in New York, and they're like, come to one of Pete's shows. See him live. He came to the show. He watched my set, and he was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's a set. That, that's a Conan set. So he he the Booker for Conan taped me on his iPhone and then listened back to it and then he wrote out the set the way that he thought the order should be. Okay. Took out two jokes and was like, send me back a tape with exactly this and then you're on. So I sent him back a tape and then he was like, Yeah, you're greenlit and now I'm waiting on a date and then I get to go do stand up on Conan. And it'll be your first Conan? It'll be my first Conan. I did Letterman. Right. Uh but never have done Conan. Um 
I would love to do Fallon too. I mean, that would be great. Seth Meyers. Eh. <laughs> is it weird? Uh, you know, that Letterman set was huge, you know, for you, for everybody that gets to do that. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, you, you were married back then. Yeah. So is it weird whole... going back and seeing stuff in your set when you mention your wife? Yeah. The I mean, the uh, like, I know that that was that was a snapshot in time and I was married during that. Um, but the weird part is when people, people will watch that tape and then they'll just see it on YouTube when they're deciding to come to Acme this weekend. And I know what will happen that then somebody will come up to me after the show and I address it in the show so that people, you know, like, I guess I say like, Hey, I went through a breakup and I, and like, and then I have a chunk about breakups and then I have a new chunk about talking about my new relationship. And so they kind of get the timeline of it, but then alcohol is involved. And so they come up to me in the bar afterwards and they're like, Hey, so what the hell, pal? I, I watched this clip where you were talking about your wife and then now you're talking about your girlfriend. And I'm like, but did you, don't you remember the part where I talked about the breakup? And I don't refer to her as my wife in my act. And, like, it's it's almost weird that I'm referring to her as that, like, now. Because, um, like, I just, I don't, I don't want to give her that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I know what you're saying. Um, you know, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess, like, yeah, on a weekly basis, some knucklehead that I don't even know will, yeah. will you know will bring up that she was my wife in that set and and so it will be nice to get the Conan set because that'll be another late night set where I get to talk about my new life yeah and I really haven't done a lot of stand up on TV since I've been divorced and but now you know like I'm I'm working on something for Comedy Central I'm working on this Conan set like you know I think there will be a a large body of work that will come in the future that will have nothing to do with me talking about sure you know being married so do you pay attention to what like what is out there of you online um yeah i mean like i but i'm also a guy that like when when people come to my college shows i just let them tape me and put it online if okay. they want and like I, you know i've i've had friends go well, yeah but but then what if that's just out there and you don't want it out there and I'm like, well, I'm also not saying anything on stage that I don't want out there. And I know a lot of comics are because they don't want the PC police to come after them. And, um, you know, there there's also the argument of like, well, I'm trying to do that material for my special, so I don't want it on the Internet. Yep, that. Mm -hmm. But that's not even a thing. You know, like like I know plenty of people that have stuff on the Internet. I know people that have done stuff in their Letterman sets that then they put that material in their special. So like, that's not really a thing. Mm -hmm. And I agree. I just think that I think people carry a lot, around a lot of anger. And then when they see someone in the crowd taping them, they get real angry. You know, it's like a place to put their anger. And if somebody likes you that much that they want to take up space in their phone with your thing and then spend time uploading it, like go ahead. Like that, that's cool that you're a fan. You know, Nick DiPaolo was here uh, about a year ago at yeah. this time, and I got a chance to. He was on No Laugh Track. We did a podcast together. Awesome, 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 awesome. So freaking funny. But I went to a show the night before, 
and he caught me writing notes in the crowd. Oh. And he's like, hey, buddy, what are you doing to that? Are you stealing my jokes? Mm. I'm like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. Like, I, you know, so mm-hmm. I had, I'm sitting back here as I'm pointing. Yeah. And, uh, I had to like no I'm I'm gonna I host the podcast I'm gonna talk to you tomorrow sorry like, you're just writing down notes did, to talk to you didn't mean up? to be a distraction like, uh, sorry did he back off yeah, yeah yeah okay that's good no right yeah right away he was like oh yeah 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 okay okay but that, that was an uncomfortable sense. moment yeah I guess I think there when it comes to videotaping sets you know. Um, it just comes down like do you remember there were bands that were, were like don't record our live shows right. ever and then there were other bands that were like bootleg away yeah and i guess i'm i feel like i'm one of the people that's like bootleg away go go nuts someday there'll be a pete lee station on satellite there'll be nothing but bootleg nothing but bootleg shows where like oh my god this that, was when he started me. writing that bit i saw you or i listened to you on that ron bennington show oh yeah that the, was really good Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, I've loved Bennington for years, and um, I, I became friends with Rich Voss, and I've known Bonnie McFarland for a long time. And uh, they had Emily and I on their "My Wife Hates Me" show, and we got to like sort of work on some of our issues. You know, uh, they had a marriage therapist that was on. You know, we're not married, but like, you know, same issues. But sure. uh, uh, and then they had us on the game show thing, and that was so fun—the Valentine's Day show. Oh, okay. We had like. We did like um, uh, we were paired up with a bunch of married couples, and then Emily and I were, were not married, but we did uh, a version of the dating game, or, or not? No, the newlywed game. Okay, yeah. Uh, which that speaking of is another weird thing for me because my ex and I were on the newlywed game right after we got married, and so the game show network doesn't—they don't give a shit if you divorce that person. They're still gonna run those episodes. What forever. You, you were? Yeah. And so, like, I'll get, know that. I get people on Facebook that they're just like, oh, my God, I saw you and your lovely wife on the on the newlywed game. And no. then they post a screenshot of us looking happy, which we no. were at that time. And then it's on my Facebook wall. And then I, I usually, like, untag it. And then I write them a letter saying, like, hey, uh, like, I know you were trying to be – you didn't know. Like, you didn't know that I, we're not married anymore. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know – like, like it's not my favorite to see her, uh, but like, you know, could you take that down? Um, cause like I just, I, you know, and usually they write a letter back and they're like, I'm so right, sorry. Very I apologetic. Know. And sure. then I'm like, you didn't know, you didn't know you weren't being malicious. You thought you were, you thought you were posting something that I would love. Right. And Hey, look what I saw. Cool. Huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. How did, <laughs> yeah. Who was the host then? Sherry Shepard. Oh, okay. Oh, still is. Yeah, I think. Yeah, she's yeah. So funny, so great, and I, to be honest, like I had a really fun. That was one of my favorite TV appearances I've ever done. Being on the Newlywed Show it was a really fun. I never knew that. I riffed with Sherry Shepard tons. Uh, you know my. Did my, they introduce you as Pete Lee comic or anything? Was there any? They did say that I was a comic. Yeah, and then. Um, you know, Sherry definitely like riffed with me more and there's a giant live studio audience that is so fun and they love comedy and they laughed at everything. And, you know, my ex looked really great and she was funny and she did great on the show. And um, were there parting gifts? Yeah. Well, we were five points away from winning a trip to Hawaii and then, uh, we didn't win. So we got a $200 Fandango gift card. Oh, so trip to Hawaii. 
Fandango gift card. <laughs> so, but I mean, but yeah, I mean, like those are who got that and then the divorce. Oh God! Oh my God! <laughs> she did. She got everything. Did she like? I mean, divorce is not set up for it to be good for guys, <clears throat> and you know, and and like I understand that like if you take most of life for men and then for women, uh, life is way shittier for women across the board. You know, employment, just how they're treated by men, like, uh, you know, and so the one way that the one little tiny place in life that women get a little bit of an extra leg up is in a divorce. And so, you know, that is what it is. But and it's unfortunate that. that I, you know, I'm teasing only because I went through, I've gone through it as well. And, you know, the, about, you know, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there was, I still don't feel like I've completely recovered financially from, you know, from that. And it it also, like, I don't know, like, it seems crazy. I, I know that, like, when you, when you go through one of those things, you're sort of pitted against each other as, like, me against you. And we divided things up, and it was fair. But, like, I guess I, I even look at it, like, if it was me, I wouldn't want anything from her, you know, like, and I can't believe that somebody would like take and take and, you know, like, you know, I still find T-shirts that are uh, the memories and connect me to my first wife. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I want this anymore. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm hoping that at some point in my, in my life. I'll have enough distance from the whole thing to go like, ah, maybe I'd want to have a beer with her or something like that. You know, like I would love to get there, but I feel like I'm still, I still haven't like fully recovered like economically and socially. And like, you know, that trip to China did create a bridge, but I'm still sort of trying to get back to square one, you know, um, you know, Let's say that I would have booked one of those acting gigs and I would have gotten paid a giant lump sum of money. I think that would help me feel like I got back to square one, you know. Uh, but it's it's hard. I mean, like, you know, uh, but I, I pretty much, in terms of material things, lost everything, you know. Um, it was almost like... It was almost like a hurricane came, and I was one of those people who lost everything and uh-huh. left with a suitcase. Yeah. And then now I'm rebuilding my life. Except and this for, lamp. And yeah. My- yeah. And the, these Doritos. <laughs> and, and yeah. Yeah, that's what, it, that's what it felt like. And, um, you know, but it's also made me realize that not that I'm a monk or anything like that, but material things are just, it's just crap that we carry along with us. And really, like, the only place that's home is yourself, is your body. Yeah. And and I've learned to live with minimal stuff. And, you know, I guess I have my I have my body, I have my mind, I have my talent and my art. And, like, I, you know, I'm definitely richer in talent and richer in my art and richer in all my abilities since then because I really dove into my art even harder when yeah. I was going through all that Perfect. stuff. Um, so I'm richer than I was, but financially I'm not. And, you know, I don't have much Yeah, and, (laughs) you know, it, it, that sucks. But have you, um, 
I know we've talked about cats before in the past. Yeah. I'm have a, you got a new cat at all? No, I, w- I would love to have a, a new cat, you know. Um, yeah, the well, all right, I'll 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 just, like, I'll go into this. So I had problems in my building that I live. So I got my, I went through the divorce. I got my own apartment. I had my own, like, cool place and stuff. Well, then the building got black mold. So, like, and, you know, they told us about it. You know, they're like, this isn't safe, yada, yada. You can break your lease if you want. So about, I, like, lived in it for a while because I was like, well, what am I going to do? But I had sunk all this money into this apartment. Uh, I had spent a considerable amount of my nest egg fixing this place up, buying furniture. Uh, The security deposit in New York, you know, like, if you get an apartment in Minnesota, you're like, okay, I'm going to put down a couple grand. Like, in New York, it's like like six grand that you put down on something. So <sighs> like, like you, so like, then I don't really have that to get a new place. So right now, um, in basically the interim between like that apartment that I moved out of, put my stuff in storage. Now I'm living with Emily. And so like, I'm living out of a suitcase in her apartment. So one of the reasons why I sort of begrudge the divorce situation, even though it was a long time ago is like, I'm still like, I'm again, like I used to have a stable, nice home that I gave up and like let her have, um, and paid for forever so that she could live there cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm homeless again. Like I'm homeless and I walk down the street and then people want to take pictures with me, <laughs> you know, like that's the funniest part. <laughs> and when I say that I'm homeless, like, like I'm not like I, I live with my cool girlfriend who's an actress and, and like we're creative and we and she has a beautiful apartment and stuff but like i don't have my own space you know i don't even have more than a suitcase full of full of clothes at her apartment you yeah. know uh but yeah so it's like i still feel like i'm i'm still building back up to square one from that stupid like stupid thing i got myself into yeah you know like uh, i don't know i probably sound bitter i'm just still recovering but, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, I started that question about a cat. Where but I, yeah, so I can't, like, I would love to have a cat. Like, I look at, I look at pictures of friends of mine, like, like, you know how people will, like, stalk an ex-girlfriend, you know, and, like, look at their, look at her picture and stuff? Like, like, um, <laughs> like, my friend Patrick has a cat, and I, like, look at his cat's pictures. Like, his cat is my cat. My, my friend Chad Denick <laughs> has a cat named Mr. Ticklebottoms, and I go on his Instagram <laughs> And I look at Mr. Ticklebottoms, and I pretend like Mr. Ticklebottoms is my cat. Oh. And, like, and I want a cat so bad. But, like, you know, I can't get a cat. I can't just be like, hey, Emily, you know how you're letting me live here uh, for now? Uh, I got a cat. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't do that. Me and my homeless cat. Yeah, I'm lucky enough that she's letting me stay there. But What if she said, okay, you brought this cat. It's one of you can stay. Then you're back on the streets, buddy. Yeah, I'd be living out of my car so that the cat could have a place to live. But, um, yeah, there's uh, there's an alley cat behind her. Uh, the, there's, like, an alley right And you've behind. been feeding it. Yeah. I, I went and bought cat food, <laughs> and I tossed cat food out the window, and then the cat comes up, and, um, and like, I talk to the cat, and I look at it from, like, two stories down. And, um, but, yeah, so that's my version of having a cat. Right I now. was... Um a friend of mine was telling me a story yesterday about the he lives in a townhome and he was bitching about the thin walls 
Uh-huh. And he's like, dude, I just want to move out of there so I can listen to my music at the volume I want. He goes, a little while ago, never met my neighbor, but she comes over pounding on the door because I was listening to some music I like in compute, like little computer speakers. Not even like the fancy ones, just computer speakers turned up kind of loud. Okay. Uh, she came over and knocked on the door and said, you need to turn that down. And the reason she said he needed to turn it down is because she said, my cat is... <laughs> My cat is in hospice in my living room, what? and you're disturbing her. Oh, God. The cat the cat was like, it's fine. <laughs> People are so crazy. People are nuts. My cat's in hospice. Um, I'm imagining her voice is like, um, my cat is in hospice right now, and I can't handle it. I just can't take it. All I picture is like, and I love cats, but I picture like her... Uh, like, you know, there's a little drip. Like, the cat's got an IV in its arm. <laughs> drip. Drip. <laughs> My cat's in hospice. Wow. I mean, maybe I'm a bad person. I mean, I remember when, when like, our cat was dying, and, like, I would, like, you know, I'd go visit the cat. We never had it in hospice. I don't even know what that means. I don't either. I don't either. I don't even know what that means. I yeah. Don't want, I thought about Googling it. I'm like, nope, my imagination is probably better than what it really is. But wow. <laughs> I don't want to know. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. Um, all right. We should. I've taken up a lot of your time here. We should wrap this up quick. Is there anything else we should be mentioning? We mentioned you've got a Conan set coming up. You're auditioning for stuff. Have you, uh, commercials? Have you got any commercials or anything? I've gotten so many callbacks for commercials. I just haven't gotten it. Um, uh, but it's so funny. Like, I got really close to this Kraft macaroni and cheese commercial, uh, which would have been, like, paid a toll, like, a crap load of money. Um, I got really close, but it was me and a kid. And the thing is, that, like, they cast, they get all the adults, all the dads, I guess, that were going to be in the commercial, they cast 10 guys that they could possibly, um, or they give callbacks to, like, 10 guys that could be the dad. Mm -hmm. And then they cast, like, 100 kids, or, or they, they do a casting call for, like, 100 kids. And then the kid that is the one kid that's not an idiot, then they pick the dad that sort of looks like him. Okay. And in this case, there were two dad, two of us that sort of look like this kid, and then they just picked the other guy. And But, that like, that decision of, like, him or him... Hmm, him or him, like that one way or the other could have been 80 grand for me. Yeah, <laughs> just know? like that. Like, yeah. and Just because you look a little less like some kid. A little less not like some to. dumb kid. And um, I blame the kid for not looking more like you. Yeah, yeah. Well, before I went in, like they paired me up with this other kid because you have to go in with a kid and do your callback audition. You brought your own? No, like they they <laughs> like you're in the waiting room and then they're like you look like you, you he looks kind of like you and he, they paired me up with this kid. And this kid was like he was okay. And but I I was like all right, they're going to want you to improv. They're going to want you to improvise and the kid was like what's improvise? And I'm like okay, you're a kid, you can probably barely read. I'll tell you what it is. And so I had I basically had the kid like I I had him rehearse like four or five different lines that if they wanted him to improvise he could say that line and we had about 20 minutes to rehearse and so I got the kid like the kid was nailing it right yeah and we went we went into the and I was like I want this kid to be the kid cuz this kid looks the most like me and we went in there and we did the audition and the kid nailed all the lines and they were like, wow, this kid's really good. And I wanted to take credit for it and be like, I told him that I wrote that line and I gave it to him. Yeah. Uh, but um, 
yeah, for whatever reason, that kid ended up not being the kid. Oh. A different kid got it. So bastard. Yeah, another another improviser must have coached their kid better than I coached that kid. <laughs> the better one. Uh, would you would you endorse a product that you you know? Is would there anything out of off limits, like too embarrassing, or like something you don't believe in? Oh man! Here I, I got two examples. Like there yeah. was the old the old episode of Cheers mm-hmm. when Woody had to uh, he was doing that drink that was made out of kelp, and then he finally drank it. And he's like, "Oh, this uh, is terrible!" Yeah. And then the other one, and this is a, a real one that I I can't believe that I see on t- television. It's that Brooke Burke, uh-huh. attractive, gorgeous Brooke Burke. Yeah. Does commercials for like female pee pads? Oh, that's so funny. Why does she need that money? She why does she need that money? Why does she need that money? She's done a million things. She I doesn't don't need know. that money. Yeah. It's an embarrassing problem for women, especially women that have had child had, you know, gone through childbirth. I'm sure. But I'm surprised to see someone like Brooke Burke. Brooke Burke is like willing to be like, I shit my pants. Yeah. I piss my pants yeah. all the time. I'm just like you. I have pee spots too. I don't know if there's a product that... Would you do adult di- adult diapers and uh, say that you pee yourself? All right. I would... Let me say this. I would do... At this point, I would totally do an adult diapers commercial. Um, I would do a Donald Trump commercial if it paid well. Oh, no. Uh, even though I don't support him. No. But the one product or the one service that I would not... Like, let's say that they had commercials that were, like, advertising for marriage... <laughs> I'd be like, can't do it. <laughs> I can't, with sound mind, encourage other people to do that, knowing what I've been through. <laughs> like, I'm Pete Lee here for holy matrimony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I'd be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, well, you I, know, there's also a, uh, I don't, uh, there's, a, there's a radio commercial with Barry, remember Barry Sanders? Yeah. He's doing a divorce lawyer commercial. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can get behind that maybe, but the, that's funny. How did they get it? That must have been like his cousin works for the firm, and they're like, "Do you think you can get Barry Sanders?" But he's like talking about it through his experience. If I knew then what I know now, I would have called blankety blank years ago. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Maybe I should have listened to Barry Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should have gone for an all-out battle instead of getting a <laughs> dumb mediator with stains on his tie. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know, man. Yeah, um what product yeah, I don't know if there's a product that I would be at this point like morally against. Uh, Pete Lee for malt liquor. I would I would advertise the shit out of some malt liquor. Yeah. Uh if it was like a herpes cream, I don't have herpes, but I would I for 60 to 80 grand if that's what it paid. That was the one from uh oh yeah, Friends. Wasn't yeah. it Joey did the STD thing or whatever? Yeah. Right? Yeah, and then nobody would go near him. <laughs> I would do it. I'm in a serious monogamous relationship. I wouldn't care what other people thought of me. I would do it for the money. Well, maybe point. Emily would care. Oh yeah, people would they would see her me with her and assume something. No, she's <laughs> she's clean as a whistle. <laughs> I don't understand that saying "clean as a whistle" because every like if I had a whistle and I was like, "Hey, do you want to blow on my whistle?" You'd be like, "No, no, that's a gross whistle." <laughs> <laughs> whistle has germs on it. I've been watching. I've been watching what's been spewing out of the end of that. I don't yeah. like your whistle. Yeah. Was that it, Pete? Anything else we should be mentioning? I've already asked that once, and I just kept talking. Uh, just um, you know, a, 
a vote for Trump is a vote for God. You know, that's it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> totally kidding. Um, I'm gonna cut, we're going to cut that and put it at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> a vote for Trump is a vote for God <laughs> and rifles. I don't know. I don't know what um, I'm a Democrat who likes who likes guns. So uh, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Pete Lee tweets. Um, and my Instagram is Pete Lee. Sorry. Uh, if you want to write me an email. Uh, because I delighted you or I made you mad uh, about anything, uh, Pete at PeteLee.net is my email. Um, my website is JerrySeinfeld.com. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I wish that I could have JerrySeinfeld.com. I'll talk to him when he's on episode 200. Okay, well, all right. That's why he's going to be here. We'll see. I'll see if I can get that straightened out for you. Okay. Pete, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I just and I want to say that you just reminded me of something. I'm going to put po- when we get this on, uh, when this gets posted on the No Laugh Track Facebook page, I am for sure going to post the uh, the video I watched of you and Emily doing stand up together. Oh, great. Yeah. All right. Because I haven't even seen that oh, yet. Okay. I was there. You were there. I haven't seen it. Yeah. It's very funny. Oh, awesome. So uh, I will post that and people can check that out as well. Congrats, Pete. I'm I'm happy that you're happy and things are going well. Things are really are going well. They I mean, I'm homeless, but you know, like things are great. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Acme this week and give uh Pete a pat pat on the back. All right. Or a hug. Give me a hugs. hug. I love hugs. I know you love hugs. Perfect. Thanks, Pete. All right. Thank you, Justin.